believe Brother Josh Lovett has a special for us this morning. She is running a hundred miles an hour in the wrong direction. She is trying, but the canyon's ever widening in the depths of her cold heart. So she sets out on another misadventure just to find. She's another two years older and she's three more steps behind. Does anybody hear her? Can anybody see? Or does anybody even know she's going down today? Under the shadow of our steeple, with all the lost and lonely people, searching for the hope that's tucked away in you and me. Does anybody hear her? Does anybody see? She is yearning for shelter and perfection. That she never found at home And she is searching For a hero to ride in To ride in and save the day And then walks Serpent's Charming And he knows just what to say Momentary lapse of reason and she gives herself away. Does anybody hear her? Can anybody see? Or does anybody even know she's going down today? Under the shadow of our steeple, with all the lost and lonely people, searching for the hope that's tucked away. Does anybody hear her? Can anybody see? If judgment looms under every steeple, if lofty glances from lofty people can't see past her scarlet letter, and we never even met her, if judgment looms under every steeple, if lofty glances from lofty people can't see past her scarlet letter, and we never even met her. Never even met her. Does anybody hear her? Does anybody see? Or does anybody even know she's going down today? Under the shadow of our people, with all the lost and lonely people, searching for the hope that's tucked away in you and me. Does anybody hear her? Anybody see? Does anybody even know she's going down today? Under the shadow of our people. With all the lost and lonely people Searching for the hope that's tucked away
away in you and me. Does anybody hear her? Can anybody see? He's running a hundred miles an hour in the wrong direction. This time, Miss Betty Wells is going to bring a special. attention to this morning to the book of Jeremiah. We look to God's Word, and uh, thank you, Brother Josh, uh, one of my favorite 
uh, songs, Casting Crowns does, that reminds me of there's a, a lot of people in the world that uh, I've heard before, the living in the shadow of the steeple, uh, that go overlooked many times, that we as church members fail to talk to, we fail to visit with people, we fail to show that we care. There's a lot of people both inside the church and outside the church that are, that are living a life with, with pain, heartache, bitterness, and disappointment in life and in people, in mistakes, in, I mean, it could be from years gone by. And many times we, instead of giving those to God, we feel more comfortable hanging on to our our hurt, pain, discomfort, and we walk around and let those things keep us from serving Him. And many times we... When you focus inwardly, when you focus inwardly instead of on others, you will live, you will live a self-centered, self-focused, selfish life. And it's so many times we have, uh, we do that. We do that. And, and that's a trap of the flesh. And, uh, I think about, you know, that great, uh, famous, a literature reading by Nathaniel Hawthorne uh, we had to read in high school called The Scarlet Letter. And, uh, and that's, of course, a reference made in that song to The Scarlet Letter. Many times a, a label that we place on people, whether, and most of the time they are people just like us. People just like, folks, there's no difference between you and I and someone in sitting in a prison cell this morning. There's uh, we are we are all sinners in need of a savior. Maybe you know Jesus Christ as your savior this morning, but did you know this that you do not have to? You can be sitting in this church this morning, sitting on a nice cushioned pew, and still be behind bars. The bars of sin the bars of loneliness, the bars of, uh, we, just, we could make a long list. There's, there's a lot of things that can hold us, that can trap us. This morning, speaking on the subject of thanksgiving, what's that? How, how do you be thankful? What, you know, think about it. You know, right now, we, uh, you know, we wouldn't have had this little weekend thing yesterday, uh, but I happen to have this just one night, I was the last different, five different speakers, five nights of revival, and uh, they had me try to wrap it up. Stockwell Road Missionary Baptist Church went there, preached. Okay, everybody's getting together. Let's uh, celebrate Caleb's birthday. We're not getting, we're having, uh, we swap every year between Karen's family and my family on Thanksgiving. And this year it's my family's time, so we had an opportunity to get together with Karen's family yesterday. And so we went down there to, he said, well, what we'll do is, is of course, Caleb gets some money. He got him some new boots, 
And uh, he had some extra money, go down the boardwalk, go spend it. And they've already got Santa and Christmas stuff out. They just skip people, skip Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Being thankful. You know, and it's, it was, uh, it's neat to look up the history and how George Washington and, and the role he played in the, in the, ho- the history of the holiday of Thanksgiving. And how that we ought to be thankful, about, uh, the, our country says, to our Creator. To our Creator. But folks, many times we, we do things, as the old saying goes, that holds no water. We do things and it holds no water. It's a trap that we fall into. And so I want to take a look at these things that uh, we try to be thankful. We try to be a servant of Jesus Christ, but we're doing it in a way that will not work. I'm trying to serve Jesus. I'm trying to be thankful. I'm trying to be a good church member, Brother Michael. But you can't do it because these are wells that hold no water. And, of course, the way Jeremiah states it, cisterns that hold no water. As we read God's Word, would you stand for this reading? Uh, just going to read the last couple of verses of this section. Jeremiah chapter 2. Let's begin reading with verse 11. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 11. Hath a nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which doth not profit. Be astonished, O you heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. Be ye very desolate, saith the Lord, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me the fountain of the living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time we have together to look to your holy word. Father, help us to be thankful and to be faithful servants of you and for you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for going over this passage of Scripture with me, I think about, you know, definitely would you say that our country has changed the last 20 years? And, uh, but my goodness, you could say the last five years has changed. The first time in history that uh, we've elected a president, a leader that is openly uh, an open proponent of homosexual marriage. Uh, just uh, it's first time ever, first one ever. Now others have supported uh, rights and different things, but an open proponent of homosexuality—that's that's interesting. Of course, uh, we we live in a country the last 40 years that has supported uh, abortion on demand. Uh, that's the last 40 years. Uh, Roe v. Wade and uh, the time that it's been here, our, our, the the America that. We grew up in years ago, even in the 70s. You, just, you don't even have to go back very far. It will never be again. It will never happen again. We, we live, it has changed. Matter of fact, in our text it says, Has a nation, in verse 11, changed their gods? 
We live in a United States that's changed. We've changed our gods. And it's in being changed, folks, when, when a nation changes, get, you know why a nation changes? Folks, that's like saying a church changes. Folks, a church is nothing more than a group of people. That's it. A group of people. Now, yeah, you can go further definition. A group of people baptized, serving Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, da-da-da. You can elaborate. But a nation is a group of people. And folks, if a church changes, it's because the church members change. If a nation changes, it's because the people of the nation change. That's it, because a nation is made up of people. Churches are made up of people. But folks, God's Word never changes. Amen? Wow. And surely y'all believe that. God's Word never changes. Amen? Okay. God's Word never changes. It is. The unadulterated, unconfused, it is inerrant, inspired. God's Word. But many of us, we, we study the Word, we know the Word, we look at the Word. But... You know, I want to ask you this, in looking at the handling the Word of God, many of us love the Word of God, but do we love the God of the Word? Because many of us, we know it, we study it, we read it, but, you know, the Bible, it says, be ye, in James, be ye doers of the Word and not hearers only. That's right. So many of us, we, we read it, we study it, we love to, to study uh, different topics. We love to, you know, we have our BTC literature here. We have Sunday school quarterlies. We have uh, Bible studies. There's commentaries. We have an awesome library. We've been blessed with an awesome library here at Promised Land. And all of those commentaries and topics and different things. There's DVDs and different things. There's great things about everything relating to the Word of God and studying the Word of God. But folks, just studying it and reading it doesn't do anything if it doesn't change us. But folks, we're being changed by the world instead of us changing the world. The Bible says, you don't have to turn over there, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, in verse 2, it mentions handling the Word of God deceitfully. I think if we just study it and don't do it and don't practice it, we are guilty of handling the Word of God deceitfully. 2 Corinthians 4.2 states, you know, and first of all, this morning, you know, if we want to be thankful, there's four things that we've got to address. And I mentioned these things, we want to be thankful, but we want to be thankful without sacrifice. But folks, people have sacrificed for us so that we can have this country. We want to be thankful without repentance. We want to be thankful without brokenness. We want to be thankful without forgiveness. And so let's uh, look at these. Matter of fact, I mentioned these two quotes and I decided to include them in this. Uh, I mentioned these two quotes Sunday night. And uh, so I decided also to include them this morning. And that is, nothing of eternal significance happens without sacrifice. And also, many of us are living a life, a very powerless life, 
And I put this, know this, the gospel will never be powerful through you until it is powerful in you. Those are not original with me. Read them somewhere. I said, well, I'll share that. But that's true. Many of us, we want, man, I want our church to do good. I want our church to be blessed of God. But we want the gospel. We love to study the word. But folks, this morning, if you say, I want God to do great things, folks, He won't do great things through our church until God is great in our church. Many, we're starting this upward ministry again, third year. Many people are looking forward to it. Many people are looking forward to helping, and it's a great outreach. But did you know that's all it is? It's just a, it's a tool. It's kind of like a hammer or a skill saw in the hands of a carpenter. It, it's a tool to be used. And, and this ministry upward is just all it is, is a mechanism for sharing the gospel with young people and in turn, their parents also. So if we want the gospel to be great in the world, it's got to be great in us first. I think about the example of Stephen. Go ahead and turn to Matthew, excuse me, Acts chapter 7. Just the example of Stephen. Of course, his great last words are found in Acts chapter 7. And he preaches an awesome message. It's a long chapter. It's a good little message. And he winds it up in Acts chapter 7, verse 51. He's winding up the message, and he's talking to his own countrymen, his own fellow Jewish people. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one of whom you have now been now the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. And when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed, or they bit him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. I think about uh, the example of Stephen here and how they're, they're killing him. He cried out, Excuse me, verse 57, they cried out with a loud voice. They stopped their ears. They ran on him with one accord, cast him out of the city in verse 58, stoned him with stones, laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul, later on Paul. They stoned Stephen, calling upon God. And Stephen called upon God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And I, I just want to talk about sacrifice for one second. You know, think about, I, I mentioned the uh, Sunday night about sacrifice, and I mentioned about the, uh, 
you know, God said to Paul, Paul, I've got a trip for you. You're going to Rome. Paul said, great. He said, God said this, an all-expense-paid trip. Paul said, that's even better. God said, as a prisoner. Ah, oh, okay. Okay. All right, if that's the way you want it, Lord, think about that. Okay, God's got something for you to do, but it's going to have called sacrifices going to be involved. Now, think about this now. Let's use this example, Stephen. God says, I need somebody to step up. And, and folks, if God asks us and will to speak directly through the Holy Spirit to your heart this morning and say, I need you to step up, you'd say, hey, I'm all about stepping up. I was raised as a hard-working country boy. I know about stepping up. In hard times, I'm your guy. I'm your, I know how to step up. I played sports. Coach asked me to run more. I'd ran more. I ran harder. Coach asked me to do this. I'll do it. God asks you to step up. You say, I'm in. I need somebody to die so that millions can be saved. Hands go down. Stephen said, only one in this metaphorical room I'm talking about still had his hand up. Stephen, according to this passage right here, was the man whom God said, I need somebody to step up. And Stephen said, I'm your guy. And according to our interpretation and our exhortation and our uh, looking at this passage, he was just an ordinary church member whom we believe was one of the first seven deacons, even though they're not called deacons in Acts chapter 6. But he's one of those seven guys. And he just said, I'll be a servant. I'll do whatever it takes, Lord. I need somebody to lay down their life, preach the word, and your example is going to be a huge part in the conversion of a man I've got planned. I've got plans for him. It's going to, your example is going to be a huge part of his conversion. Because guess who was watching the way he died? Folks, people are watching, people are watching the way you live. Now, if you're, of course, listening to the sound of my voice, you're, people aren't watching the way you die. Maybe they're watching your life, how you live, how you face death. But he made a sacrifice, and he was willing. Matter of fact, if you notice his attitude, he said the way he went out, praying for other people, doing for other people. Next, we're not, we can't be thankful, we can't have thanksgiving without repentance. You know, preacher, whenever I come to promised land, I want a sermon that makes me comfortable. Preacher, don't be preaching anything that makes me uncomfortable. How dare you preach something that makes me uncomfortable? But many people want to come to church, and they want a sermon. They want a message that makes us comfortable. Oh, don't, don't, don't be preaching anything that makes us uncomfortable. Folks, repentance is not about comfort. Mm-hmm. Repentance has nothing to do with being comfortable. Matter of fact, I don't like repentance. 
None of us should like repentance, folks, we, but we all, we can't even get saved without repentance. And I want to be thankful then, once I get saved, once I repent, then I'm thankful. And I said, Lord, thank you for saving me, a sinner saved by grace, a wretched sinner like me. All of us are wretched sinners. No matter what kind of suit you have on, no matter how you comb your hair, no matter how you're dressed this morning, we're all sinners. And even after you get saved, we still need to repent. Repentance every day. You know, I've dealt with people in the ministry for almost 30 years. And I've seen people repent. And I put in your outline there that it's easy to repent of lying, stealing, fornication, drinking. I've had people repent of abortion, of a homosexual lifestyle. I've, I've heard all kinds of repentance and, and prayers. But the repentance I see and have seen the majority of is church members who think that there's... i tell you what. I'm glad I'm not like them. I'm okay, preacher. I'm all right. It's hard to repent of pride. Pride is a killer. And pride will kill your marriage, your home, your walk with the Lord. Pride will, pride will, is, is the is the opposite of revival. Pride is the opposite of a humble servant. But that's it. We're too prideful. We're too prideful to pray at the altar. We're too prideful to admit something's wrong. We're too prideful to make the first move. We're too prideful to come before God and fall down before a holy God. Pride. Man, if it's something, man, if it's a big one, if it's a big sin, I mean, folks, but to me, that's the biggest spiritual sin. Matter of fact, remember that self-righteous Pharisee saying, I'm so glad. I'm all right. I'm so glad I'm not like that publican sitting out there on the doorstep. That tax collector, his an idiot. And that tax collector was sitting out there praying, and what, what does the Bible say? Smiting his breast, hitting himself in the chest, and said, have mercy upon me. I'm a sinner. I don't even deserve to be inside the church. I have repentance. Matter of fact, if you look at the passage back over here in Jeremiah, in chapter 13, I'll tell you what, <clears throat> this passage here, notice what it says in Jeremiah 13, verse 15. Hear you and give ear, be not proud. Jeremiah 13, 15, for the Lord has, has spoken. Give glory to the Lord your God because He causes, He caused darkness and before your feet stumble upon the dark mountains. And while you look for light, he turn it into a shadow of death and make it gross darkness. But if you will not hear, 
it my soul shall weep in secret places for your pride, and mine eyes shall weep sore and run down with tears. Folks, there's tears loaded in the Bible. I asked our Wednesday night crowd, to, I said, tears are so important. I mean, women crying, I think about Hannah and her weeping tears because she couldn't have a baby. Mary had tears. Mary Magdalene anointed those tears on Jesus' feet. God has, did you know God has a tear bottle? I mentioned this also Wednesday night. He, he thinks your tears are so important, he has a tear bottle. He remembers every tear. Next, Thanksgiving without brokenness. Two awesome passages, I think, about Isaiah chapter 66. Just back up a smidgen from our text, Isaiah 66. And then I'm going to go ahead and grab Psalms 34. And if I grab them both right here. This is what my Bible looks like, and if you're following along God's Word, that'll be what yours looks like. About that far apart, okay? <laughs> About that, Isaiah 66 and Isaiah 34. Isaiah 66 says this, Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you build unto me, and where is the place of my rest? Country boy version, verse 1. I don't care about stuff. I don't care about stuff. Your stuff, anybody else's stuff. God says, verse 2 is what he cares about. For all those things hath my hand made, and all those things hath been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look. You know, you want to be the kind of person that gets God's attention? Even to him that is of poor, that means humble, contrite means broken, spirit, and trembleth it at my words. And then in Psalms chapter 34, in verse 18, the Word of God says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a what? A broken heart. book of James chapter 4 says this. I love this passage. James chapter 4 says, Draw nigh to God, and He will... Amen, I like that. That means, that's, that's a... How do we... Hug! Bring close! Right, the, and it literally, the nigh... You know what that means? Pressed up against. Pressed up against. I mean, you can't... I mean, get close to God. But what does the Bible say in Psalms 34? It says... The Lord is already nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. Matter of fact, it says that uh, if you're proud, he will resist. You go to hug him in your If you're full of pride and you go to draw nigh to God, he'll run. It says the Lord resisteth the what? You can look this one up. I ain't even going to tell you where it's at. The Lord resisteth the proud. You can look it up. It's in there. Like Prego spaghetti sauce. It's in there. Okay? It's in there. The Lord... So if you go to draw nigh to God and you're full of pride, so I, folks, we can't... I mean, if we're going to be thankful this morning and we want to do it, we, we can't do it without sacrifice. We can't do it without repentance. We can't do it without brokenness. And we, 
we can't do it without forgiveness. And, and all the time you say, well, Brother Michael, I just want to be a church member that comes to church and, and I want to be a church member that's comfortable. I don't want to be uncomfortable. No sacrifice. I don't want sacrifice. You know why? That costs too much. Man, sacrifice costs too much. Yeah, it did. It cost Jesus his life. I don't want repentance. Oh, that pr- brother Michael just don't preach on repentance because why? That just convicts too much. Brother Michael, don't be preaching about brokenness. That just that hurts too much. What was the last one? Don't preach on forgiveness. That involves too much. That gets complicated. It does. Uh-uh. Don't be doing that. Don't be preaching on any. Can't you just preach on God loving everybody? Yeah, we could, but there's a whole lot more in there. Sometimes, folks, the hardest thing to do is the right thing to do. It's not always easy to do the right thing. I want you to, now these will be a lot closer together. Let's go ahead and look at these passages in Matthew. Wrapping it up. Y'all have done well. Matthew 6 and then Matthew 18. It won't take but a second. Matthew 6 and Matthew 18. In Matthew 6, verse 14 and 15, it says this, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So let me ask you this. In in order to properly interpret Bible verses, Bible Scripture, you must do it according to context. What's the context of this passage? Your prayer life, how to pray. So, if the Bible says that if you want a prayer life, you've got to have a forgiving spirit. Now, flip over to Matthew chapter 18. It's just a few pages over. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, Peter came to him and said, Lord, Man, I'm feeling generous. How often? Now, the, the Lord had just got through giving them instruction on what we call, uh, many call, a passage about church discipline. But really and truly, it's not about church discipline. I'll explain in just a second. Uh, said, how many times should I forgive somebody? And he said, uh, how about seven times? And God said, Jesus said, uh, no, try seven times seventy. That's how many times, and Jesus wasn't meaning 490. He was meaning as often, as often as it takes. Now, back to our context. Let's say, what is the context? What is the passage talking about? You say it was talking about church. No, it's not talking about church discipline. You know what it's talking about? Restoration. How do you restore somebody? And then, of course, if they refuse. Now, in the King, if you have a King James Bible, it says if they neglect to hear thee. If neglect means refuse. You can look it up. Neglect just means refuse. 
But the whole process of that whole thing is what? Restoration. Matter of fact, in Matthew eighteen fifteen, it says, Thou hast gained thy brother. Thou hast gained thy brother. So the context of forgiveness in the first passage was about having a prayer life. The context of this is about having a being restored. It's about being restored. I grew up in a, uh, I mean, I know y'all have heard this story many times, but uh, in a broken home. Uh, my mom and dad divorced whenever I was nine years old. And uh, kind of all the ins and outs of steps. And they'll all be here Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday, and all of, everybody together. Now, I remember a time where that was not possible. Because they were always uh, so able to do that. <laughs> okay. But, I, and folks, through the years, I've tried to counsel and discuss with different people going through because they'd hear my story. And one time I had, and I've even seen this same scene. Um, you can tell me whatever show it was on a show. The same scene. I said, man, I've seen that in life before. In a show one time, and, and but but what it was was I was explaining about growing up in steps and seeing how my parents did and da 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 da, and now uh, and, and this this lady was going had just went through a divorce, and she was uh, talking about her son came up to the mom and said, "Mom, if you want me to." I will hate daddy as much as you do if you would like for me to. And that was in real life. And I've seen that more than once. And what it was, was, and she she got convicted and started crying and said, I don't want you to hate your dad. I want you to have a relationship. And I'm sorry that you were seeing me run your dad down and talk bad about your dad because your dad. And so what was happening there is, see, when, when you have animosity and unforgiveness and anger or bitterness towards somebody, and a lot of times you don't realize the damage that it does, not only to yourself but to others. And those kids were seeing that in the mom, and, and so the son automatically came to the logical conclusion because... Most guys are, okay, well, if this 8, 2 plus 2, is okay, it equals 4, so this is the way it works, okay? So I, mom hates dad. You know, and I'm so thankful that my parents, even though that they had a rough divorce, there was a custody battle and all that between me and Dana, my mom always said, kids, obey your dad. And mind him. We may not get along, but you need to respect your dad, and I want you to have a relationship with your dad. And my dad would say, son, you mind your mama. Now, we may not exactly see eye to eye on our marriage and all of that, our relationship, but you need to mind your mama, and you need to do what she says. And I'm so thankful that I grew up with that. And I'll never, you know, and I know that that's the right thing. Matter of fact, that's biblical. Not the divorce, I'm talking about the attitude. 
okay? But you see there what I'm talking about? A lot of times that your, your approach in life, your, your, the way you treat other people is viewed by all. And it's, it's right there. It's the verses are in the Bible. And we can't have th- you can't even have a right relationship with God. You can't even have a prayer life. But those things are not right in your own heart. As we prepare for a hymn invitation, would you bow with me for a word of prayer, Father? I thank you for this time that we have together to look to your holy word. And I pray that you would just help us every day to do these things, to to live sacrificially, to live a life of repentance, to be humble and broken before you, to have a forgiving spirit toward others. Father, to look for the times that we can be the the right example to others, the people that we live with, the people that we have influence with, the lost and dying world, that people can see Jesus in the way we live. Father, help our church, bless our church, so that we might show that it doesn't matter what kind of mistakes we've made, there's forgiveness at the cross. No matter what we've been through in life, there's healing at the feet of Jesus. In His name we pray. Amen. 